Hello, hello, hello everyone. <clears throat> Welcome back to Money Awakenings. Ah, I am your host, Larry Morris, and the financial shaman, the alchemist, coming to you live. Well, not live for you. Live from sunny, snowy Colorado. Gorgeous. The sunshine state. No, I'm kidding. Okay. So um what are we going to talk about today what are we going to get into i got a couple of things percolating for you guys on this podcast i like to go for a walk unless it's too cold or you know i feel inspired to change it up and pretend that you're here with me and we're just talking i'm doing most of the talking you're doing most of the listening but i do hope that you guys um something strikes you that you pause and and process it but anyway um what occurs to me this morning the first thing and remember everything that we talk about are um, blockages to wealth abundance feeling good which you know is the emotional guidance systems indicator that you're on the right track so everything's on this podcast is about what's out there or in us reflected out there stopping us from vibrating into alignment with our unconditional loving selves our childlike selves our inner child our authentic nature what's stopping us from getting all our power back, our godlike power. And it's obviously the story that we believe that we are just human, that that's all we are. And to have that just human experience, we have to ditch all our power, abandon it, to just be human. But the more you just erode that story, one piece at a time, all the power in the universe comes back to you inside physical reality inside the dream the lucid dream so all the stories that we tell ourselves that we're just not good enough that we don't deserve that we're just small insignificant ants in an ant farm and god's the little boy with a magnifying glass right like the more we tell ourselves that story the more we live a life of reaction, of triggers, of pain and anxiety, suffering. What's ironic is the more you let that story go, the more you live a life of healing, of rest, relaxation, fun, abundance, yes, wealth, yes. It's so counterintuitive to think that rest is going to bring you more money. Because here's the thing. Here's why that's weird. It's because you see quote-unquote lazy people and they don't have abundance. So you're like, that can't be right. And you see people who have a lot and you're like, they worked hard for it, so that must be the way. Not necessarily. Because you're judging things on the surface. Here's the main difference. Are they following their heart or not? Because if your heart is telling you to rest and relax, then you can rest and relax and the money is already flowing to you. 
your heart is telling you to get out and express yourself and you're not doing that and you're choosing to rest over following your heart, that's where it becomes detrimental. That's where you see those people who are living on people's couches and not that there's anything wrong with that, <clears throat> that are lazy, who never left a house at 40 years old, you know, they're still living with their parents. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that, we're not judging that, but that's where you see people who are at rest, not doing a whole lot, not soaking up abundance. But then on the juxtaposition, you see, you know, millionaires and billionaires at the country club not really working, enjoying life, having a good time, and all this money is coming to them. People think on the surface, oh, they worked hard, so now they can relax. No. Ideally, again, it depends on the situation. Everybody's the same. It's just for hypothetical sake here. But... What if their heart told them to express themselves, create, do this amazing stuff like it does for me, right? I do a wake up, do a podcast, maybe help a client, write a little bit, takes a few hours, and then the rest of the day I'm relaxing. Because that's what my heart's telling me to do, go have fun, go enjoy life. Right, so you see that and you're like, wow, that must be nice, Larry, but all it stemmed from was just following my heart and listening to it and checking in with it every single decision. And then you get to this place where the heart takes over, right? And that's why you see the massive difference. How are these people not working but making millions of dollars? And how are these people not working but they're broke? Because what you're seeing on the surface is not working. But underneath, remember work means to put energy and effort into something you don't love. So I don't work because I do what I love. And there's no energy and effort put into it. It's all in flow. I'm completely in flow in the zone right now. So. Rest could also attract money. If it's what your heart wants you to do. Because so many of us, including myself, have to detox from this idea of work. Of that I have to do something I don't want to do to make abundance, to, to make abundance, to make wealth, to make riches, to make anything. I have to do something I don't want to do. That has to be detoxed out of you. That has to be not only let go, but all the neural pathways that support that lie, all the limiting beliefs, all the, the spider web of nonsense has to be let go of. And let go of so much that it's no longer a reaction to, oh, I want this thing, I need to go work for it. No, it's, oh, I want this thing, where's my highest excitement taking me? Where does my heart tell me to go? I want this thing, I let it go knowing that if it's truly meant to be, and if it's truly aligned with my highest self, then me following my heart is the fastest way to get there. And the easiest way to get there. So, hopefully that helps. What are we going to talk about today for the rest of this thing? We're going to go off a little bit 
Well, I don't know how much actually, because I'm just in the flow. But we're going to go off a little bit on the not good enough story and how it plays out in our personal relationships, which blocks love and ultimately wealth and opportunity. And we're also going to talk a little bit about something I've talked about before, but I want to expand on, which is this idea of too good to be true. So, so which are we going to talk about first? I'm feeling the not good enough story. So I was working with a client recently and, uh, well, here, here's what I noticed. Here's what came up. She has this debilitating amount of not good enough. Like it's literally crippling her. Her not good enough story is so ingrained that this is what happens. Well, first of all, where does it come from? Obviously it comes from our indoctrination from her parents, right? Her father in particular was a lot like mine, uh, narcissistic, borderline sociopathic, right? And everything was not good enough for him. And so she constantly made her feel not good enough. Well, he then becomes the voice in her head. Her ego adopts that voice as the self-judgment voice. And now everything she perceives is not good enough inside and outside. So here's what happens. Because she has a super big not good enough story, she's very judgmental of herself and of others. This is what's so fascinating. The inability to have any self-acceptance makes her not accept other people either. So what she's done is she's literally cut off all relationships in her life that aren't essential. She has no friends. And from the surface, I was like, what? I've been down that road. I understand that. You purge people that don't align with you anymore and then bring some back or bring in new people that align with this new evolved um, higher consciousness, right? That you don't want energy vampires, you know, emotional succubuses and all that stuff in your life. I totally get that purge those people and then slowly integrate new relationships that are in more alignment while understanding your boundaries. However, this was not that. This was done unconsciously by her ego to limit herself. But look at what happens. You adopt self-judgment. You're very judgmental of yourself and very critical of yourself and punish yourself often, but you're also doing it to other people. So what she did was every time she built a friendship, as soon as she judged them as doing something that she didn't like, she just cut them out. And I was like... That's a total lack of acceptance. Everything has to be perfect. People in her life have to be exactly perfect, which means they have to line up with her imagined reality of how they should be, which is an impossible high bar. It's such a high expectation and no one can ever match it because that's the expectation she has of herself, which is why she's constantly punishing herself. And the way in which she's punishing herself is by keeping people that would love her away. So it's cyclical. It compounds on itself. 
This is why it's so troubling when people are lost in their ego game. Because they self-sabotage their own life. And then they wonder why nothing good comes to them. But this is how deep the not good enough story can go. This is how deep the not good enough story can go to where nothing is good enough in your life. No people, no thing. It's super fascinating because she was talking about moving. She's like, I think life would just be so much better in a different town. And I'm like, you realize that you take yourself with you wherever you go. And that, yeah, it'll probably be good for a couple of months, maybe, if you're lucky. And then the ego's going to do what it does and start to judge and critique every little thing because it's not perfect. And so you can be right that you're not good enough and this place is not good enough and nowhere is ever good enough. And now you're miserable. You're literally suffering in a paradise. This place is a paradise. You have everything you ever need all of the time. You never run out. Everything, there's always enough of everything. Money, air, food, water, all the things you need to survive and thrive are here. But what was she missing? Or I wouldn't say missing because she did have two very close people plus her son that are in her life. All right? But she was very limiting herself on connection to where if she lost these two people, her whole life would crumble. Because she has no connection. She doesn't have any connection to her heart. She doesn't have connection, connection to any other people. No connection to source. No connection to nature. Right? The only people is her closest family because she's cut everyone else out. So this is one of the seven basic needs. And it feels a lot like the last two basic needs are really more for us. How do I say this? They're more under our control based on our perception than anything. Remember the seven basic needs of a human. Right? Air comes first, obviously. <sighs> then uh, water. Then sleep. This is all by severity of how, if you go without, they will, you will die. Right? Eight minutes is the longest, I think eight minutes is the longest recorded person to be able to hold their breath without a fresh air, fresh oxygen into the brain. Eight to ten, I think. Um, then, of course, water. You can only last a couple of days without water. Then sleep, I think you can't go more than five to seven days without sleep, without going insane and the, the body's starting to shut down. Um, and then of course food, which is known to go anywhere from, depending on what studies you look at, typically it's somewhere around 40 to 30 to 40 days without food. Then of course shelter, you know, or an environment conducive to thriving, Right. You know, I see homeless people in the freezing cold in Colorado, and I'm like, how in the fuck are you guys doing that? It's so fascinating to watch how human beings can acclimate to th certain things. But um, depending on what's happening, of course, without sufficient shelter, homeless people have a very uh, low life expectancy. And a lot of people think it's because of the drug use and the, and the psychosis and things like that. 
which do obviously healthy uh, play a part because they do have poor hygiene and things of that nature but the the environment that they find themselves in is what's killing them and then of course not having the last two needs met the the last two basic needs of the seven are connection connection to your heart to the unconditional love that's in your heart to source which is also basically in your heart but you could look at source as nature right connection to mother nature or an animal or pet or something or another human being heart to heart connection right um or humanity as a whole like christ you know who just loved all of humanity um or like lao tzu who just loved love itself loved the unknown like how source is constantly taking care of everything when you don't have to this the Tao he called it right the way just the bellows the the empty space everything is just handled and he fell in love with that and he fell in love with the feeling of love right so did buddha but um he fell in love with the peace that was found in silence and his heart but like without those connections for the heart to plug into like a like a socket almost you can't recharge and you will slowly die probably within a year if you had zero connection right and you're like well there's people that lived in um like solitary confinement for longer than a year and it's like yeah well they had to connect to themselves then or source or whatever which is why I love that line so much where if you put a normal typical person in solitary confinement they'll go insane you put a buddhist monk in solitary confinement they'll say thank you right because they'll meditate and sit and connect to the silence the peace in their heart and let go of the physical reality right but anyway connection and then, of course, you have to, number seven is you have to express your gift. You have to express the reason you're here, your truth. You have to find your purpose, whatever that heart's calling is, the reason you're created. You have to do that thing. Otherwise, you'll die after about 80 years of not doing that. All right, so why do I bring that up? Because if you're literally like shrinking and constricting, or in a lot of people's cases, cutting off one of these basic needs. Your, your heart is like, not necessarily shriveling, but it's definitely not at the, it's highest and best, right? This thing's gotta be open and on fire and have all these ideas coming through you and this connection of synchronicity, knowing that everything's working out perfectly, everything's in line. So she's literally constricting herself. And this is what so many people do. This is exactly what we talk about when we talk about abandoning our godlike power to play a human small game, a small story. I'm just human. I don't like people. Here's the other thing that tends to happen, which I noticed with this person introverts are always empathetic empathic people introverts are always empaths that have not fully understood don't fully understand how to harness their gift 
So imagine an empath is someone that feels deeply, but they absorb other people's feelings and emotions almost unconsciously at first. And so it's like the floodgates are just open and they're getting a sensory overload and they don't know how to shut it off. So they stay away from people. Almost all, I would say, I would be confident saying all introverts are highly empathic. And they just don't know how to harness their gift. If they knew and were taught young how to shut it off or tone it down like I do, like when I'm in certain situations, I throttle back the empathy. So I'm just isolated and feeling my own heart. And then in certain situations, I dial up the empathy beyond normal when I'm working one-on-one with a client or I'm around my soulmate. You know, I'll dial up the empathy to feel her heart and feel what's going on with mine and her in in all of our emotions. But if you don't know how to do that, being around people and their chaos and stress and suffering is going to make you pick up on that. And you're going to feel more peaceful at home alone, right? Because then you only have to contend with your own ego and your own self-judgment and your own bullshit. At least you don't have to deal with anybody else's. So that's another thing I noticed with her was like, you don't know how to control your empathy. You don't know how to use it properly. And so since she's a child of abuse from a narcissist, that's why her empathy is so high. Because... You have to become hyper aware of an abuser's moods and behaviors to protect yourself from the violence, the possible violence. So most empaths are children of abuse. That's how they strengthen that muscle unconsciously. But because of this and because she's so unaware of what's happening, Her ego is literally controlling the narrative, controlling her perception to say it's other people that are the problem. When in fact it's her high judgment, her super judgmental non-acceptance, non-unconditional love, total conditional love for everything and everyone, including herself, that causes all of her problems. But when the ego has control of perception, you can't see it. That's what's so difficult. What am I looking at right now? This is a giant Great Dane with no owner. The thing looks like a horse on this trail I'm walking on. Hello! Oh my goodness. Where is your... This is the biggest dog I've ever seen. Hello! Hopefully it's, is this your house right here, buddy? Hi. Hi there. I think it's a Marmaduke. Okay. Where was I? Now. So why do I bring this up? Why does this have to do with money, Larry? It's pretty simple. If you don't know this, you have to love yourself to let wealth in. There is no other way. There are no wealthy people with a non-deserving story. 
There are no wealthy people who do not feel the love for who they are, for what source created in them. Self-love will bring wealth. Because, look at this person. Let me, let me give you a contrast to this person, my client, right? Who pushing away people, keeping herself very isolated, judging everything as not good enough, including herself. Keeping the ego alive only has one single perception of life in herself that makes her miserable because she doesn't know how to shift yet. But she's working with me, so we'll get there. So what, what, I, what I notice, or here, let's do it like this. Juxtaposition. When you're fully opening and loving and accepting of everyone with boundaries, of course, now... People and opportunities are just coming into your life like magic. Like people just start coming up to you and talking. You're like, whoa, hi, how are you? You're making friends and you're you're meeting people and you're mixing it up. And now the floodgates are starting to open. Right? Now someone, you, you have a conversation with someone new and it sparks an idea and you're like, whoa. I've never thought of that before, and we could do this, and now I have this other idea, and now I know this person, and what, you know, all this magic starts happening. And it's not just letting people into your life. It's letting opportunities in. One of my favorite forms of abundance is opportunities or ideas. Right? You can't, there's no fertile soil in this person right now for new ideas to crop up. She only has one perception. I have to do everything perfect. I have to do life perfect, and if I'm not perfect, I'm miserable. Instead of switching it and being like, everything is always perfect and we're evolving perfectly. So yes, there are blind spots that we have and things we'd like to advance and evolve, but it doesn't mean we're not perfect right now. Like there's no done state. There's no unfinished evolving state. It's constant evolution. That's what it looks like. There's no finished product. You're just living and growing every day. But people want to get to done so they're perfect, but they're never done, so they can be perfect. So it's a way that the ego constantly makes you not good enough. The ego measures you and compares you to the perfect version of who you're supposed to be in your head so that you're constantly feeling that you're not there. And you're never going to be there. Because if you were there... This is the carrot and the stick game the ego has. If you were there, you would not need the ego anymore. So it can't let you ever get there. So this is one of the ways we block abundance by too much criticism and judgment of ourselves and other people. And I'm guilty of this too, gang. I notice myself holding myself to a high standard and other people to a high standard. And all it does is create expectations and pain. And so every time my hand is opened up and slapped away, to not attach to these high expectations, that people are just evolving. They are where they are, where they are right now. I think I said that twice. They are where they are in life. They are who they are right now. The difference is the people I bring into my life now are working on themselves and evolving. So it's easier to accept 
them as they are as they're growing. Right? People who are not growing, I can accept them as they are, as perfect beings, but I don't have to be around them. Right? Unless I feel called to. But, point being, the opposite of this person is someone who's in love with life, who knows they can do whatever they want, who knows everything is already perfect, there's no wrong way to do it, they can follow their heart, they can listen to their inner guidance, and they can enjoy experiences with other people that might spark ideas and conversations like this one. So that's how this not good enough story blocks abundance. Because abundance is not just money. Abundance is abundance of people, of love, of opportunity, of ideas, of energy. Her, this person's energy is so low, it's heavy. You ever been around those heavy people that feel like they have a dark cloud over their head? Like, this is her energy right now. It drags you down. And it's so draining to be around these people. And they're drained because they're feeding the ego story. And the pain is not that the alarm of negative emotion is not being tended to. So be careful of being overly critical and overly judgmental of other people because if you're overly judgmental of other people, you're overly judgmental of yourself. It cuts both ways. Judgment is a double-edged sword that you're grabbing by the wrong end. Radical acceptance is the way to peace. Radical acceptance of yourself and others. Good morning. And um, don't worry about what other people are doing. Only focus on your boundaries. If they're not crossing a boundary, then they're not hurting you really. They're not doing anything to you. So if something they are doing is bad or that you feel is, is behavior that is not conducive to continuing the relationship or friendship or whatever, then you need to address that and make a new boundary. If they're not crossing any boundaries, you just don't feel comfortable and you got to check in with your heart and see if it's time to part ways. Always check in with your heart. But we we got to be very careful of being critical of others. Even if it's government, you know, it's super easy to get on the bandwagon and be like, this guy's an idiot or that gal's stupid or whatever. But you've never been in that position. You don't know what it's like. And every single person I hear that has these big dreams and a big heart when they get to Washington, it's the soul, it's sucked out of them. So... Until you're willing to step up and do that and be a force for unconditional love, maybe not be so judgmental. Because ultimately, if you're judgmental of the government, you're judgmental of God. And don't tell me this doesn't happen. Because I lived it. 
I was super critical, judgmental, obviously of myself first, constantly not good enough. And I would judge God. How could God make a flood or a famine or a feast, a feast, a famine or a, a, a disease that would wipe out things? How could kids get cancer? How could there be this much sexual abuse in children? Right? You're super judgmental of what God is doing too. As if we, and then you're stuck in that perception as if we know better. Because you only have that perception. That's the only one the ego's letting you have. So you have to shift to we're eternal beings. And Source is doing everything to evolve us in the best, highest, and best possible way. Always. And since we're eternal, nothing's really at stake. There's nothing at risk. There's no, oh, cosmic forces of darkness and light. And if we don't get this right, we're all going to perish. And No, stop. Come now. Nothing is at risk. How could it be? It's all God. It's all one thing. It's all source. It's all unconditional love. There is nothing else that God goes and makes stuff with. It doesn't go outside of itself to grab new materials to make anything with. It's all one thing. And it's all just perception. It's all just a trick of perception. How do you know you're not in a virtual reality game right now? The greatest virtual reality game of all time. How do you know this isn't just a dream? You don't, ultimately. So then, how do you know that everything isn't always working out for you? How do you know, just like I know, that this young lady who I'm working with Everything is happening for her. This darkness she finds herself in is going to be so much better when she comes to the light because she's going to have that experience and that contrast to know herself more. Which goes right into too good to be true. I've talked about this many times as a belief system If you believe something is too good to be true, then you believe you're not good enough. You're not worthy or don't deserve good things to come to you. Why would good not be true unless you believed you didn't deserve it? Or this was a hostile universe trying to hurt you? Because this is where I am. This is what I came from. And I'm at a precipice, a point where life is so good that it's starting to feel unfamiliar. And the unfamiliar, unfamiliarity feels uncomfortable. Everything is going amazing. And there's a part of me that's waiting for the other shoe to drop. And there's a part of me that's trying to grab onto it and say, I want it to stay this way. And I can feel myself attaching and I'm like, no be here now how do I know that things aren't even going to get better than this which sounds outlandishly crazy but completely possible 
completely possible. When you let all of this nonsense go that you don't deserve it, that you're not good enough, that you're just human, that this is a hostile universe that's trying to torture you or test you in some way. Like what if what if this belief that it's too good to be true stops too good from coming? Like too good is a judgment, isn't it? Too good is a judgment. What I mean is you see something amazing happen in your life and this is too good? Who's controlling that perception? Who's trying to push away the good things to go back to just right or miserable or suffering? Do you see the limitations we impose on ourselves? Do you see how we say to ourselves that when we're in pain or when we're suffering or when we're miserable, like, this isn't right? I can tell this isn't right. That comes from the heart because your negative emotions are suffocating you. You can feel that that's not right. You can feel that conditional love isn't right. When someone tries to make you prove yourself. When someone, makes, when someone devalues you to manipulate you and say you're doing something wrong or you should be ashamed of yourself. You feel that's not right. You know it's not right. But then you let all that go and good stuff starts to come. And then you don't feel right there either. That's the ego tearing you down. The heart is trying to lift you up from this dark place you find yourself in and you go to the light and your ego is trying to bring you back. And so it's a constant back and forth. A war. My friends, I'm telling you, there's a victory to be had. There's a way. There's a way to win to remember fully who you are, to let the ego die, to heal fully of all the wounding, all the trauma, and to come to this place of this new precipice, these new heights in your life. Good, how are you? New heights that you've only imagined. And you come to the place and you're like, whoa. And then you feel the old neural pathway starts to fire like, this might be too good. And you say, no, I'm just here now. I'm just experiencing. I'm just, percept- I'm just a perceiver of perception. not too good. It's not too good to be true. It's just right.
It's just right for right now. And I'm not attached to it. I enjoy it. I'm preferring it. I'm grateful. Grateful for it. Truly. And that's all. Just be with that. That's all it needs to be. Don't try to protect it and worry about losing it because that's a surefire way to make it happen. Just enjoy it and experience it. And let go of this idea that God doesn't love you or the shoe's going to drop. The other shoe's going to drop and it's all going to come crashing down. Well, what if there's nothing to crash down to? What if you're at the new normal? What if you're at the new normal and you don't even know The stewarding of energy is all that it really takes. The understanding of all your emotions. Because everything I'm talking about goes through the heart. Unconditional love is what everyone's searching for. Because it's what we come from. It's our original nature. It's our ultimate energy, our highest frequency, its source itself is unconditional love and that heals everything given enough time the speed of nature it heals everything it heals these perceptions that you gotta go to work to pay the bills It heals these perceptions that you can't do anything that your heart desires. It heals these perceptions of a limited amount of time because it doesn't matter. It heals these perceptions of I'm not good enough and I've got to be perfect. It's a healing energy. if you let it be the dominant force in your life. If you put it on front and center stage, you don't have to go back and forth so much. I mean, yes, there is a period where you're going to have to let go of what you think you know to be true and question everything. But there's a place where Doubt starts to turn into just curiosity. The difference between self-doubt and curiosity, in my opinion, is the blaming, is the thinking that there's something wrong. That's doubt. Like, oh, I may have made a mistake. That's thinking you've done something wrong. That's self-doubt. There is no wrong way to do it. There is no wrong. That's just judgment. So... Curiosity is questioning, knowing that there's no wrong way, knowing that there's nothing wrong, knowing that everything's taken question or care of, and knowing that you don't have to figure it all out. That's curiosity, just openness, with no blame, no self-blame either. 
Well, self-doubt is tons of self-blame. Tons of there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. Tons of I should have done it different. That's self-doubt. Thinking that you're not perfect and need to be perfect. Questioning everything from a place of I need to do it right versus a place of I don't know, I'm just open. And there's an end to that self-doubt and a switching to curiosity. I'm just asking, is there anything you'd like me to do? Is there anything more I need to do today? Or be today? Or learn today? Wouldn't it be nice if you walk through life, journeyed through life, from a place of I'm always taken care of. From a place of I'm always guided. I don't need to know everything. I don't want to know everything. What I know I need to know. What I don't know I don't need to know. Wouldn't it be amazing to come from a place of even if painful things happen, they are there for me to teach me. And eventually you come to this place where there's no more pain. And if it does come, it's very short-lived. You learn from it, you shift perspective, and you're back into alignment with unconditional love. starting to change my whole life it's so basic and so simple but it really showed me how far I had come and how far I was to being completely relaxed in all situations the idea is there's nothing to worry about everything is taken care of Source, God, universe is literally creating always from the highest and best good. Always from the highest form of evolution. So whatever you're experiencing right now is exactly what it's supposed to be. The only question you have to ask yourself is, am I, are you perceiving from the highest perception of you and the situation you're involved in. Because a lower perception is going to make you feel pain or unease or uncomfortable. The highest perception will make your heart sing and feel the unconditional love of God. So this is why judgment is so, or, you know, over overtly criticizing people or things is so telling of what's going on inside of you. How far away you are from unconditional love is how judgmental you are. Let me say that again. How far away you are 
from unconditional love, from the vibration of unconditional love, from the healing energy of truth that is source, how far away you are from unconditional love is how judgmental you are. Because judgmental, to judge is to conditional love things. I'm not going to love that because it's not meeting my conditions that I think is right. I'm judging this thing as bad. I can't love it. I'm judging myself as wrong. It's not good enough. I can't love that either. The wealth can't flow to that. How could it? You have to believe you're not good enough. If money came, it would fuck up the not good enough story. That you're playing out. That you have to transcend before anything comes. Because if it comes, it's only going to torture you. Which may be what it's supposed to do too, but I rarely see that. That does happen. I see it with wealthy or affluent people, I should say, rich people I work with that are still in scarcity. But it's rare. It does happen, but it's rare. The rest of us, you have to transcend this small story of you. You have to let go of this silly idea that God doesn't love you. That everything isn't working out perfectly as it's supposed to. You have to let go of that shit before any wealth will come. When you start seeing yourself as unconditionally loved, and just start, I don't know what this word's gonna sound, but start trying to unconditionally love yourself and accept who you are as perfection, and everything is perfection, you're already gonna start to see, feel ease in your life. yourself off the hook doesn't mean you're not going to take responsibility for the mess you've created in your life but it just means that that mess is supposed to be there for you to clean up and for ideally you not to blame anyone else for your mess change happen fast accept everything as it is I know it's counterintuitive I know it goes against all this motivational talk of oh you don't like something change it hustle get out there work you don't like your body get to the gym let's go fuck that if that worked this world would be completely different the ego is always going to drag you back. You can't create from not good enough. You don't like it, change it. Means it's not good enough for me. I need to change the condition so I can love it. That's what it means. I don't like my body. I don't love myself. I conditionally love it because it needs to look a certain way. So I'm going to go change it so then I can love it. That's conditional love. Accept that everything is perfect. Just start to try to accept it all. 
It's exactly what Source wants. Otherwise, it would be a different thing, wouldn't it? If Source didn't want everything the way it is, it would be different. It's exactly what Source wants. That's what so many people have a hard time with. The lack of acceptance. And the more you do that, you change perception. And then, and only then, can everything change. Only when you start to shift your perception can everything change. Because otherwise the patterns just repeat. Different characters, same outcome. What if there was nothing to worry about? What if there truly was only love? And your only job was to feel that love in your heart and find it everywhere. With boundaries, it's not pacifism. What if everything was truly taken care of? It sounds so simple, doesn't it? It's one of those things that like, oh yeah, I know that. Do you really know that? Or are you striving to fix something? Are you striving to change something? Are you chasing something? Are you attached to something? I need this to be different, otherwise I can't be happy. That's conditional, that's not acceptance. Why is it so hard for us to accept? Because we don't know what is under our control, ultimately. The only thing under your control is your perception. What's fascinating about this is if you shift perception, it changes the physical reality. But that's still the only thing under your control because you don't know how it's going to change physical reality. You kind of can't assume. You can kind of see how it's going to work. But until it happens, then you're not sure. And you don't need to be. I didn't know that changing my perception of who I was and what I deserved would bring my soulmate to me. I didn't know that. I kind of thought that that was possible. It was a theory. Like, wow, if you really unblock all the energy and the bullshit about love and your heart and who you are, I mean, soulmate has an opportunity to come. But then it happened. Now it's better than I've ever imagined. Come to this spot where, this spot in life where you're like, is this the new normal? Because it used to be my set point for money and love and everything else. My set point was very low because I was very low on myself. I was just like this client. It was, Watching how far I've come through seeing where this person is. Very critical of myself. Very judgmental. Always not good enough. Always triggered. Full of anger. Because I'm constantly stepping on landmines. Because everything made me feel not good enough. Where it is now, everything is perfect. I don't need to do anything. 
There's literally nothing to worry about. So I want you to do some homework for me. Just ask yourself, what if everything was taken care of? How would my life be then? How would I act if everything was truly taken care of by an unconditionally loving God? Would I watch the news as much? Would I care? about the atrocities in the world, if I knew an unconditionally loving God was taking care of everything? Would I care about some disease if I knew I was eternal and everything was taken care of? Would I care about money if I knew there was always enough and everything was always taken care of? Like it always has been. And with this, great line from a philosopher who said life is understood backwards but must be lived forwards you can always look back and be like that's why this happened I can see it now I can see why I lived through abuse to help other people out of it out of the abuse they put themselves in because the ego adopts those abusive parents and keeps them in their head as self-judgment. I can see why I went through all that. To help others and to help myself out of it, to transcend it. But I don't know what's coming. And I love that. Because no matter what it is, there's nothing to worry about all taken care of. I hope something I've said has helped you here today. We are different mountains in the same range, different snowboarders on the same slopes, different clouds in the same sky. My unconditional love to you. Good journey, my friends.